Welcome back to the Mental Perk Podcast, where we focus on real people, real issues, and real talk. I'm Carla Hutcherson, a licensed professional counselor and the director for the Hannah for Hope Foundation. And I'm Brandy Mock, executive board member for the Hannah for Hope Foundation. We are here to talk about all things mental health, whether it's daily stress, academic pressure, work and career issues, managing a diagnosis, or suicidal and self-harm behaviors. We want this to be a space of honest talk that helps to destigmatize perceptions surrounding mental health issues. Today, we want to welcome Earl Jackson. He's a board-certified family attorney here in Dallas. And just to note, he ran for a judge last year. So, Earl, tell us a little bit about you. What does it mean to be board-certified? It means I can use the word specialist. I'm a specialist in family law. It means after an extensive examination of my credentials and whatnot, I was approved to be able to sit for an exam, which takes place over two days, to be board-certified in family law. That sounds pretty rigorous. It was pretty rigorous. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a, they only, generally, they only let about 30% pass that exam. The rest are Wow. And we know there's a lot to do with family law, and we need family lawyers out there. That's what shows me many, <laughs> many years ago. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was going to bring up a couple of different, like, statistics. We really want to focus on what, is the, what are lawyers experiencing with mental health. Not only does their job affect their own mental health, but it also, they see things within the families that they work with. And so that's really where we want to focus today. Um, you know, 44% of attorneys believe that there is a crisis point in mental health in their industry right now. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's a big deal. Yeah. Alcohol, drugs, cocaine, not to mention weed is, is a big deal in, in the bar exam, in the, in, in the bar, and the bar takes it very seriously. It's a very serious thing that can get a lawyer in trouble with the bar, but it's also something where they're self-medicating about issues that are going on in their own life yeah, and absolutely. their practice. Do you, ha- I mean, have you seen lawyers or friends or others that have kind of fallen in this industry or that have really struggled um, due to their mental health issues? Lawyers are not going to really share that kind of thing with other lawyers. Yeah. But yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. And, and um, I have friends that have been sober for many, many years top-tier lawyers, and mm-hmm. I have other ones who, um, well, probably ought to put some of that up on the shelf and <laughs> go down the street. <laughs> well, you know, at least 35% um, in the industry are reporting some form of depression or anxiety. Would you say it's higher or lower? I would say that's about right. That's probably true. That's it's probably a very true. stressful job. I yeah. mean, it's out there. I mean, you're in the game. Yeah. And... And you have a lot, families and clients have a lot writing on what is being said and what is being presented. The lawyer's responsibility is to be able to have the case prepared and presented properly. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And that's what causes lawyers to wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I would also think just the effects of seeing the results on their clients and when they don't get, you know, the ruling that they want, or maybe the judge didn't rule in a way that was favorable to a child. I bet those are things that are really hard to, to see. You see that quite frequently or enough, I say enough to, to be shocking. Yeah. Most of the time, the judges are going to be truly fair. Now, that doesn't mean somebody's in family law, somebody going to win. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is a win? You're dealing with the child, right? What's the win? 
both of you are going to be made joint managing conservators. That's automatic in Texas. One party is going to pay child support. That's based upon what we call net resources. There's going to be an expanded standard possession owner, which is almost a 50% schedule, even though some might argue with that, especially the dads. But it's about 45, 55, and I can do a whole thing about it. So you need to know going into the case with your child that that is what's going to happen unless you have some facts that demonstrate it should be otherwise. Those facts would be family violence or basically hard drug use. Cocaine and methamphetamines being very, very serious. And so that would make a parent a sole managing conservator. I have one case, um, it's been going on for quite some time. Mom set out in the case to prevent dad from seeing the kids at all. Mm-hmm. This case is almost seven years old. Wow. It's a lot reasons for that but it's almost seven years old so mom started off the case with dad doesn't get to see the children except for two hours on one saturday per month and he doesn't really have there's not necessarily a legitimate reason why she didn't have a reason she has to attach an affidavit to her pleading in order to get there but she didn't have a basis for that i read it and i told my client We'll go down there. We'll talk reasonably with the lawyer. Mm-hmm. And with, if necessary, we'll talk with the judge, and you're going to get your expanded standard, and we'll be done with this case. That was not what happened. I went to the lawyer. It was a young lawyer, a very unwise lawyer, and I presented the issues, and I said, you don't have a basis for this. We need to resolve this case right now, and your client will be the primary designee, which is the mother, and... My client will have expanded standard and be a joint managed conservator. She was vehemently opposed, even though her affidavit had no facts to support anything else. My guy was not a drug user. My guy was not an alcoholic. My guy not engaged in family violence or any of those aspects that might cause such a situation. Correct. So what happened was um, we ended up having a hearing before the court, and then that hearing got reset to another date because the court didn't have time. And my client got his expanded standard. It's very interesting, very interesting thing about the case, this particular case. Two years ago, we ended up trying the case, and my client, the father, was made sole managing conservator of the children. Why? Because she had engaged in family violence against the two children, and we had proof of it. Now, he's sole managing conservator. Wherein she started the game back in the day, where he would only have two hours. Yeah. Now we're set for, and this is, this is, gets into the ramifications of the law, but we have another trial in this case coming up this fall where the case will be completely finished. And, of course, Mom, mom wants to, um, once again, try to be the primary designee or sole managing conservator of the child. Well, the children are doing very, very well in the school they're in, okay? The oldest is very, very popular, okay? This is an interesting thing about her. Um, she's been to several award ceremonies while she's under the dad's primary care. She's been nominated for some, for some leadership courses and things that are selective. She's doing very, very well, except for one thing. She's making outcries to suicide. Mm. Oh, goodness. And the interesting thing about that is, is these outcries to suicide occur only when she's about to go visit with the mother. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So something's going on there. And it's very difficult to prove. To, it's, it's not easy to say, mother's causing this to happen. 
we don't have any direct proof. But the stress the child's under yeah. going between these two homes. I right. mean, a lot of kids are suffering when they have to travel between two homes, especially when there's conflict in the relationship between parents. Exactly. Now, exactly. do you find that when this is a situation that you go ahead and recommend these, the father get the child in counseling so she can start sharing some of the stressors of what's triggering her to feel the way she feels when she gets ready to go to her We've mom's. done that. We've done that. Okay. In this particular case, the, the family has been going to a family, a PhD, uh, a therapist. Okay. Okay. But, and she's very, very good. Um, because she has been counseling the family, she cannot counsel the daughter. Conflict interest. So she has recommended, and the child is now seeing her own a, therapist. Okay. Her own therapist. Okay. Okay. And by the way, Mama, as interested as she is, um, has never reached out to the counselors, neither one of them, to, about, to see about how her daughter is doing. Right. And what she could do to help. What might be causing these problems? What she has is she, has, she is so angry and hateful toward my client, the father, okay, that she's projecting that upon this child. Mm-hmm. And bringing the child into the case. And that has what is it's going to be with well, the rest of her life. Well, and surely, though, you know, I think sometimes you'll see judges, if they get enough of that information, judges usually frown upon that because these children are being pulled into the middle of adult situations. And so I know judges usually don't like that. I, I guess it depends on the district you're in, the county, all that good stuff. Most but, counties in Texas have what we call a standing order, and that standing order states that the child will not be brought into the case. Right. Okay. And you're not to talk about the case with the hearing of what's happened with the child or in front of the child or let your best friend or your mom or your aunt do that as well. Right. They need to be kept out of the case under all circumstances. And even if you hate your spouse, your former spouse, hate your spouse, mm-hmm. then what you need to do is pretend yeah. that it's okay. All right? Exactly. And I think you and I, this is where it crosses over because this is what I see in my office too. And I have families that, you know, I'm working with a child and the main part of the, the reason the child's there is because these parents cannot find a way to not fight. And so these kids are so affected by it. They're becoming suicidal. They're mm-hmm. depressed. They just want an out. They want it to stop. And the parents are so into the anger and the guilt that they cannot, they cannot really see that it's putting the child ahead of them. You know, and, they, and, and so I agree with you. There's a lot of this going on. And you and mm-hmm. I have talked about it. You know, I used to work in the family court system and write social studies. And so I've seen a lot of these cases that you've talked about have been in the homes and I've seen what goes on and it's very, very disturbing. I think the other thing that you and I had a passion about was typically kids, unless there's a reason, are going to have mamas and managing conservators. Is that correct? That's true the way it is in our society. Now the law says the sex of either parent is not to be taken into consideration. Period in report. Okay. Right. So mom and dad are going to start off on the, on the same foot. Right. But here, let's this is the facts. This is the but you have gen- to put the kids this, in a school with close to one home over the other, all those things. The general truth is, mom, most of the time, not always, but most of the time is the person who's going to be making the doctor's appointments, going to be making the kids' lunch, making mm-hmm. sure they have their lunch money, et cetera, et cetera. And the father, most of the time, not always, is going to be the person who goes out and wins the money. Yeah. Okay, earns the money to support the family. That's generally the way it is. Okay. Sometimes that's reversed. Right. One of my early cases, 
Mom, mom was, um, she was all about working. She was a manager of a Hallmark store. She loved working at her Hallmark store. And she worked at a Hallmark store seven days a week from the time it opened to the time it closed. And they do have great greeting cards, by they the way. They got great greeting they cards. Do. But in that case, Dad was designated the primary because Mom worked all the time. Right. And Dad had adjusted his own career to make sure he could meet the needs of his own child. Yeah. So in, and in those cases, it's good. But a lot of times when I would make a recommendation for a father, the mother would still get the child. And so that was frustrating for me to watch that part. And I know you've talked about that, too. That was one of the reasons I ran for judge last fall, because as best as we can do it, the child has to have both parents in their life. The child is 100%. entitled to have a relationship with both parents and this is gonna and if they don't have that it can generate some real long-term impacts and give an example if you have parental alienation happens yes Um, that is a very real thing it's a very real thing and what happens is is mother is going to put all types of obstacles in the way of father trying to exercise his possession or have a relationship there's going to be all kinds of reasons why the child shouldn't go with with the father on his time, okay? It's going to be all this stuff. And, and that can happen on reverse, too. Dad could be trying to Dad's, do the same thing. And that's happened, too. I've had that happen. So what happens is Dad continues to fight for the child. That's very important, okay? Even though he's running against a lot of obstacles, a lot of money, a lot of court hearings, he's still fighting for the child. That child will become an adult. And this is a quote. When that child becomes an adult, that child may very well look at the mother and say, you're the reason I don't have a relationship with my Mm -hmm. father. Mm -hmm. I don't see you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that happens over Mm -hmm. and over and over. Very true. Very true. And we know studies tell us over 50% of couples will end up divorced in the United States, right? right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is something parents have to be aware of. Your relationship as a married couple Maybe in jeopardy, it may go to pot, whatever. But you have to realize if you made the decision to have kids, you have to put those kids ahead of your anger, your frustration, your hurt. And that's what we really need for parents to understand. You are affecting your child's mental health mm-hmm. when you are not valuing the role of the other parent. And I think also, too, a thing that plays into this is from personal experience, of course, yes. is when you've got two people that can co parent very well together. But then you have an additional ad in there, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and it completely mucks up the whole situation for the children. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. That's a very common problem. Right. All right. The, um, the um, stepmom, girlfriend mm-hmm. is, is the driving force. Mm-hmm. Or a stepdad or boyfriend. Or, right? Same thing. The courts despise that. They really, really don't like it a bit if they get the sense that it is a step parent and they will chew that person out strongly this is between the child's parents and you're not that right okay and and they will do everything they can to cut that back yeah yeah now having said that also there's a flip side of that story um and i'm talking about where the step parent is actually interfering in Mm -hmm. in the parental child relationship mm-hmm. or trying to mm-hmm. trying to you know coach that or ramrod that however yeah. you want to say it. 
But the flip side of that is sometimes, and this is common enough too, a parent is being taken advantage of because they want it to go so well and they're trying so hard to accommodate the other parent, the other parent starts taking advantage of the parent. And sometimes it's the boyfriend or the girlfriend that says, hey, wait a minute, you have an order here. You need to enforce this order. Right. Okay. Right. You need to hold somebody in contempt of court for, right. for violating this order. Okay. So you can have the relationship because part of it is this. For example, um, the expanded standard possession order, people typically call this every other week. It's really mm -hmm. not. It's not every other week. It right. seems like it, but it's not. Right. So, Dad is going to have first, third, and fifth weekend of each month, and Mom's going to have, this is general, general right. terms, sometimes this flips. Mom, or the non-primary, is going to have second and fourth, right? Mm -hmm. and what that really means for Dad is, or the non-primary, first, third, fifth, and then the next month is the sixth, back-to-back -back weekends, skip a weekend, and the eighth weekend. Mm -hmm. So Dad is making up time that he's so concerned about on that back-to-back weekend situation okay so and there's a lot of people who are trying to interfere with that right absolutely it's so hard to watch these kids and what they go through when their parents aren't getting along and it's like i just don't understand sometimes why the parents can't see i can be mad at the father and the child doesn't need to be involved but a lot of times they're bringing the kids to communicate all that too or they let them read all the text messages that go on between the parents you know and it's like do they not see how this can affect there's children? A, there's, there's an injunction you put in place, um, and we also use a tool called the Our Family Wizard. Yes, okay. I'm a proponent of that, and I refer many families to that. <laughs> um, it's, it's automatically admissible in court of law if mm -hmm. it's ordered. So if it's ordered and it's part of, part of a decree or an order of some kind, then the Our Family Wizard printout is automatically admissible. You could take to the court, okay? So yeah. what All is that? What is that printout you're talking about? So the people that don't know what it is, what is that? The Our Family Wizard is a parenting portal. And it's now available on an app, so that's really, really easy to use on your phone. Okay. It allows you to it, it allows you to email through the portal. It allows you to text through the portal. It allows you to advise of all doctor appointments through the portal. It allows you to advise, advise of any extracurricular activity. So it kind of coaching. plays as the mediator. It does. No, it's not a mediator. But it's all of the communication, yeah. all the communication right. goes through the wizard. So you're so. not having to go direct. Now here's the stick on that. You have this great tool out here, uh -huh. and then what happens is, is they get away from it. Right. Well, we're getting we're getting along so well now. Mm -hmm. We don't have to use the wizard anymore. Got okay. It. Until it's, they add a boyfriend girlfriend yeah. or yeah. Yeah. drama taste play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to try a case tomorrow where they actually got off the wizard, mm -hmm. quit using it. And ultimately, the whole thing blew up in this nasty right. deal. It really um, does keep things in order if all the communication's going through there. Everyone's kind of on their best behavior because it's all well, you seen would think by so, the court, sometimes, right? Sometimes not. Sometimes people just start <laughs> typing away, typing away, <laughs> typing away, and there it goes. <laughs> and we're all but, going, oh, wow, look at that. It, but what we call that in my world is people are reacting out of their emotional mind, and that is where 
all your problem solving skills are gone. They're reacting to everything emotionally and they're not connected to the rational mind. And so that is what's happening in these divorces is these, these people are reacting out of emotion and they don't think about the long-term consequences of what they're doing. So you can have really good people really screw things up, right? Good intentions. (laughs) When you're practicing criminal law, what you have is you have really bad people on their best behavior trying to outshine everyone else. Yes. When you have, when you're practicing family law, you have really, really good people who are on their very, very worst. And that all comes out. Part of it is this, because of the hate or the anger, Mm -hmm. okay, by one parent toward the other, or by both of them toward each other, they project that on the child. Mm -hmm. And they're basically saying, this person I was married to is a bad person. Mm Morally corrupt, unethical, a liar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's who that person is. Therefore, my child should have not have a relationship with that person because right. of how I feel about right. that person. Right. Yeah. And that's what's going to cause. That's going to cause all kind of long term damage, right it's there. It's super. It's I mean, it's going to really. Super, it it, yeah, it goes back to what Jeff had said on a previous podcast. Was uh-huh. it's so selfish when these parents can't separate their anger towards each other because they know the best way to get to that other person is through the child, manipulate the child and make them feel like, you know, and so it's, it's hard to watch them go through that. I was going to comment on this. One of the things about communicating to the child that has been a problem, a big problem in the past Mm -hmm. to the extent of, for example, writing notes and letters. Mm -hmm. Okay. putting it in the child's backpack and say, give this to your other parent. Not okay? good. Not yeah. good at all. We don't do that. No. And, and one of my cases, uh, and uh, Mama went to jail on this one. She put, she had scheduled a family cruise during the father's summer period of possession, which generally speaks July. Okay? Right. right. She had scheduled a cruise and then gave the child, okay, the authorization to let the child leave the country on the cruise. And the child, she's actually a young teen at this point, takes the authorization to the father, okay, and asks father to sign the authorization. Wow. So here is grown man, father, with his child, mm-hmm. going to be the summer coming up, and now... We have an authorization that says she's going to be on this cruise during portion of the summer. Well, he's, no, we're not doing that. Right. No. And that created, all that right there created all kinds of drama. I can imagine. And, and heartburn by my client, the father, and heartburn on the child because mm-hmm. the mother went to the extent of saying, well, all of us, your family, mm-hmm. is going on the cruise we're sorry you can't come. That is just so heartbreaking because if if parents would realize the value of the co-parenting relationship and there's something special like that coming up, the parents could work together so that they could adjust, okay, this is for her family time to be with your side of the family. I'm just going to take a week or two off of your your June time and they'll work it out together. What you can do, which is, if you're going to play it smart, what you should do, let's say 
you got the company special and you're going on the cruise on July 15th, right? Uh-huh. All right. Leaving out of Galveston for 10 days, right? Right. Well, you didn't learn about this a week in advance. Right. You know right. about this months in advance. Right. You, if, you're, if you're the parent who's going on the cruise, interfering with the other parent's summer possession, what you do is you pick up the phone or you go through the Our, our Family Wizard and say, would it be okay? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. father has the right to split up his time. Right. To, into, into, into two periods of not, loving, not less than seven days. Right. Okay. So two periods. So he can go, okay, I'll take the first week of June. Of July, for example. Okay. They go on on their trip July 15th. They come back on July 30th, and I'll pick up the remainder of my time July 31 through what is that? August 15th. 15th right. School start. That's what you should do, but, but you need to have a good working relationship with the other parent. And I want to comment on this because it needs to be give and take, mm-hmm. right? Right, of course. So if 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 parent calls and says, we have a family event this weekend and the cousins are coming in town and I would like Billy and Sue to come with us to see all the families, but it's your weekend, father or the other parents should say, that's great. I will take the next weekend. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And we're going to trade. Right. We're going to trade. But as soon as soon as one parent says no and yeah. won't trade or provide the makeup time, then we go it, it strictly ugly. to the order. Strictly to the order. Order says this, and I'm pretty much quoting: the possession and access between the child and the parent will be as the parents may agree. But sure. in the absence of an agreement. It's going to be like this. So boom, the court boom, boom. wants the parents to have some power. They sure, don't absolutely. want to take the power away and make all the decisions for them. The court, the court wants to grant your divorce to never see you again. Yeah. That's yeah. the ideal right. thing. Exactly. Right. And what these parents don't understand, if they were really working out of their wise mind, they would see the value of keeping a working relationship with the other parent. Well, you love Rather, the child, right? Yes. We you both love, the, love child? the child. We have that in common. We made this child together. Let's work in the best interest of this child. We don't have to love each other. We don't have to agree on everything thing but where it comes to the child let's work together because it benefits them in situations like this if you love your child you love your child right yes and the child is probably the most important thing in in your life right right the most important thing and you do everything for your child and you encourage your child and you build your child up and you want your child to have friends you want your child to do all these kinds of things right yeah. That's what your focus is sure right? yeah that's what your job but is that's your job <laughs> well when you engage in acts of parental alienation, yes, can you, you, can you define the, that term? Because I don't think everybody knows what that means. Right. There's a number of papers and books written about it. Parental alienation is, is a phrase that means that one parent, either overtly or covertly, is encouraging the destruction of the child's relationship with the other other. So they're doing parent. and saying things for to example, get in the way of that relationship. For example. Mm-hmm. The lady who said, take this cruise authorization, right? okay, take the cruise authorization to your father, that's an act of parental alienation. She's directly involved with the child to take the cruise authorization. Child knows she doesn't get to go on the cruise unless dad signs it. Dad is now going to lose his 10 days in, in July. Correct. Okay, and his plans are askew, Right. And so the child is all involved. Whose fault is it in the eyes of the child? Well, it's dad. Because right. dad wouldn't let me go on the cruise. Correct. Right. 
Okay, Charles not gonna be able to conceive of these ideas. I was supposed to go spend my summer. And by the way, it was, his place was very, very cool. They lived on a ranch in East Texas, yeah. about five thousand acres, and stuff, and horses, and cattle, yes. and old business. But mother had engaged in acts that try to emotionally cause a disconnect between, especially the daughter, and, and the father. father. It's an interesting story. Right. There's a conclusion to this particular story. Okay, fill us in. A lot more details, but once the child became 18 and was an adult, mm-hmm. okay, she didn't want anything to do with father or father's family. She completely disconnected herself from father and father's family. Because there's probably years of this kind of alienation behavior. A few years later, not too many, three or four, she reached out to the father and the father's family. To basically say she was wrong. Mm. And this is what had happened to her. And I think we see that a lot, actually. We see a yeah. lot of um, that brokenness. And then years later, after these kids kind of understand the dynamics, they always come back. And I think the reminder to parents, because I, I personally went through this, is they will understand one day, but your job is to lift the other parent up and make sure that there's good co-parenting. And they will get it, I promise, because mm-hmm. they, they do see it eventually. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing is when we go into something, you have great intentions for your children. But when you start adding in all these other little things that kind of play a part of it, like girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff, and you start allowing them to have the voice for what you two agreed on, it causes chaos. The worst thing someone can do happens all the time. As you bring the girlfriend in, into your life, into this dating relationship, right? And suddenly this parent, the father, in my example, starts telling the kids they got to call this person mom. Right. Or vice versa, calling the other one dad. dad. And so, and that's, yeah. and that creates, I mean. Yeah. You only have I one mama, one dad. It's so confusing. And it's so confusing for the kids. It's so confusing for the kids. You know, and, and you I've don't always do that. I've always said too though, if you have someone in your life that you love that you want to call your like mom or bonus mom, hey, I look at it as being great. You know what? It's a good thing because it shows everybody can get along. But a lot of times you're right. A lot of times these kids will be like, you know, what do I call you or what do I call them? And whenever the other person insists on it, it just takes it to a whole different level. Whole of those different kids. Level. You should wait until, until that relationship is they long want to. established. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Long established. Right. And one of, our, one of our orders that we generate is a dating relationship order, which basically means that a child cannot be in the presence of or introduced to a girlfriend or boyfriend for a period of six months until such time as that relationship has been monogamous for a period of six months. Okay, is that new or has that been around for a that's, hot minute? It's, it's been around, you know, it's new. It's okay. been around. It's been around. <laughs> yeah, it's, new. It's, it's been around for two, three, five years. Okay, okay. so it's new. There's a judge up in Denton County that will automatically order it in every case. I like Bam. that. Bam. Okay. Um, that's one of the issues I'm going to be trying tomorrow in another county. Okay. Okay, because because uh, Daddy just Daddy has lots and lots of girlfriends. 
So right. that so. is such a problem for these kids. You so, know what? Yeah. It does go back to Earl what you were saying earlier. Every child has the right to have a relationship with both their parents. Yeah. And no parent has the right to take that away unless there's like a form of abuse of some sort. Right. Exactly. If you love your child, that's what you want. Yeah. Now I was also gonna comment on that too. You gotta watch this. It's very true for teens. Well, one parent starts playing, well, the teen starts playing one parent. Oh, yeah. Other parents. It's bad enough in Same a home parents. that's not divorced. Then you can do it with a house that's divorced. It's a, it's a good one. It is yes. so hard. And those teens are so smart. They, they are, are oh. so smart and manipulative. They, they know how to work the system. They do. And, and this is, this is, this is out there too. There's a lot of subjects in this thing. But anyways. <laughs> They think because a child is 14 years of age or 16 years of age okay. that the child gets to choose which parent they get to live with. Right. That is totally, totally false. Oh, and they work their parents, don't they, they all that? They work it. And usually, especially with a teen, it's going to be going to the parent with less rules. Right, okay? right. Because there's always going to be the good-time parent, and the good-time parent's going to usually be the dad. Why? Because right. he's basically seeing his kid's... Every other weekend. Part-time. Call right. it every other weekend. Right. So, so he's a good-time parent. They're going to the baseball game. They're going to see the Cowboys. They're going to whatever stuff they're doing. They're going yeah. hunting. They're going exactly. camping. They fish. They're doing stuff, and it's all fun. And right. he, the father in this particular case, doesn't want to jeopardize his relationship with his child. Okay? So he is a lot more lax. Yeah. Okay? He's a lot more lax than the other parent, which is usually... Mama, in this case, I want to use these sexist terms, I suppose. Usually, Mama, and Mama says, You're going to be doing your homework. Right. You got chores. You got your chores. You in got this a house. curfew. Yeah. You're going to be home oh, by yeah. 10. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know where you are. I have the app 360 on my phone. Um, you better not turn it off. You better not. <laughs> That's like me, me, me. I got all the I got rules around here. Yes. You know, and they look at their who are you dating? Who's his yeah. family? That kind of thing. No, 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 you're not. And, they, and, and so what a child will do, will start playing. child now wants to go to dad because dad's right. Uh-huh. Right? Now, also note that dad wants child to come live with him. Why? Other than the relationship situation. Less child support? No child support. Mama's going to be paying <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> okay? There's no child support there. Mama pays him now. <laughs> Happens all the time. Which women it do does. not like. I'm just going to say. all yeah. the like, time. Yeah. Dads, will, they'll pay it for the first something amount of years, and yeah. then they get tired of paying for it. And they're like, well, the way to do this, the kids are older. They don't need yeah. as much. So let me tell you about the child yeah. interview, which is on this. The child interview means, okay, and the statute says, if a child is 12 years or age older, the child can express their intention of which parent they would primarily want to live yeah. with. Okay? Right. Right? That's what the statute says. Yeah. Now, everybody gets, as I said earlier, everybody says, well, that means the child gets to choose. Not in the least. Not yeah. in the least. That means the, child, the court has to consider the preference of the child, but the court is not bound by it. The court is going to look into the best interest of the child. Correct. Okay. I.e., the court's going to be looking into the structure of this one parent who has all the rules and the good times of the other and says, well, maybe not. And just because <laughs> Billy wants to go live with dad don't mean so. But this is, this is something nobody knows about, really. The court is required to interview the child if the child's 12 years of age older, right? Right. Right. Does it say what kind of interview? 
So in the words of a great judge downtown, she says, I've interviewed the child, and I've considered it. That she requires me to consider that, so I've considered it. It's time to move on. Call your next witness. Okay. Oh, wow. Another judge would come out, just will come out and say, how are you, Billy? Are you doing good? What sports do you like to play? Oh, you like to play football, et cetera, et cetera. Are you good in any subjects at school? Yes, he's good at math, let's say. Okay, reading, all right. Oh, okay, well, it's so wonderful to meet you, Billy. I'm sure your parent is waiting for you out in the hallway. And hope to see you soon. Bye-bye, Billy. There's a judge downtown Dallas plays at every single time. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, so the it, child's it, not really being heard. heard. No, <laughs> no. Now, there is... And the attorneys and, know that, so they know if they get that. No, specific, they don't know that. Well, but if they get that specific judge, don't and you think they're pattern. already they're already like, well, this judge is not going to rule on. I will behalf say that the child. almost all judges approach it from the same perspective. Okay. The exception is if you like one of my cases right now. If you have a serious issue, right? Okay. Right. That child will be. interviewed by family court services. Okay. Which is supposed to be a forensic interview. Okay. To determine the child's feelings, emotions, and why the child feels that way. Right. And that is given in a report. Right. And even the lawyers don't get a permanent copy. The lawyers have to go downtown, read it, then give it back. Well, it's interesting because I want to specify there was one case that I knew of with a friend that had child of age to make the decision. And let me tell you, the parent had put in this child's head, at this age, you can make the decision. You just got to go before the judge and tell the judge what's going on, right? So they get there, and they knew there was a lot of counseling in between this that had taken place, forensic counseling between the parents. There was a little division, right? They knew that when they got there, she would get to speak to the judge, And I remember her getting to speak to the judge. And in between that, though, with the forensic psychologist, they had found out it it seemed like that that counselor was going to rule on behalf of the parent that the girl wanted to go live with, right? Well, they didn't realize that the dad was manipulating the child to get information from the mother on the side, and she got caught doing it. The judge was going to rule on the behalf of the child wanting to live with her father, until that information came in. So my question to you is, how important is that when you think or you've got a client that says, there's some manipulation going on here, I really want to get down to this before she makes this decision or he makes this decision. Do you ever get that feeling of something's off? Proof. Well, I know you got to have proof, but do you ever get a feeling that something's off oh, and sure. let's take an additional step to make sure? All the time. Okay. All the time. All the time. It happens. You get the feeling and you believe it. Right. But the comments you just made are conclusionary. Conclusions are not evidence, okay? Right. I need to have some proof, some evidence that this is taking place. Right. For example, in, in our case where we have a where the child has made the suicide outcries, okay? Yeah, yeah. Is there direct proof? between her days of outcry and her period of possession with her mother. Is there direct proof? The answer to that was no. Okay. Is there a circumstantial proof? The answer to that is yes. 
Is there something to be concerned about? Yes. And that's do where we a psych- see anything? And that's where a psychologist is going to be really helpful in putting all those pieces together. Or a counselor or someone of that nature. A mental health professional. That's right. At least it should be, right? I mean, uh, the look on your face is telling us otherwise. But audience, so, if you could see the look you, on his face, and, and with all due respect, in the family law business, yeah. there are a lot of clowns out there calling oh, yeah. themselves counselors. There's oh, yeah. a lot of people out there, okay, who are dangerous and should have no part of 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 expressing opinions to a court. In fact, there are. Um, CLEs, learned papers over and over and over, books written about how to test and cross-examine the particular counselor or psychologist who's come to the courtroom. In fact, just a few years ago, they completely rewrote the the, um, uh, social study statute and, and explicitly stated in there exactly what the social study person has to do in order to make any recommendations. Got to follow a whole procedure. The same was done with the attorney ad litem and the guardian ad litem. That was explicitly set forth in the statute because we had all these these different um, colors coming into the situation, different opinions, Uh feel-good stuff. And, And it's dangerous. It's dangerous for that child. It's very dangerous. And so... Um, I'm thinking of one in particular, exceedingly dangerous, and, and um, actually the Jeff Younger case, and I can use his name because the whole state knows about Jeff Younger, okay? Right. So, and the psychologist that was involved in that case is seen. He's, he's, he's on the radio all the time. So, um, yeah, you get these people to come in and make recommendations, and you're like, where did that come from? Mm. Where did that? And that's true. I have, I have a case right now out of Tarrant County. The case was assigned to Family Court Services for Social Study, okay? The mother has, has had probably eight police, police calls to her home in the last six months. Mm. She has acts of family violence and threatening family violence with a firearm in the presence of the child against one of her boyfriends. Oh, no. Um, she's had a number of, well, she has men coming over to her place all the time. Anyways. And she's, she's straight-up alcoholic. She took her pet test, and she scored a 200 on it. And if you know anything about the pet test, yes. that's a big number. <laughs> a lot of alcohol flowing through your cells when that happens. Okay, because I'm not familiar with that test. Tell her so, all about it. So, so um, and, and on temporary orders, the primary designation has been changed, and the mother's been put on a limited possession and access in, in controlled circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm getting to my point because I drag on too much. case was ordered to go to family court services for social study. The person who was put in charge of the social study looked at the dad and said, you've got no chance. You might as well give up now. That just makes me sick as a mental health professional, and especially one who wrote social studies and was involved in the court system. And the thought of that just makes me sick because it's, it's not doing your job. Your job is to interview all parties and make a professional decision. Exactly. Or recommendation, wow. not recommendation. Decision. Yeah. We're trying that case this fall, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. How but I mean, so difficult. I mean, I mean, She's got a serious alcohol issue. Yeah. So, there it is. 
So, Earl, you know, um, this has been so enlightening just to understand what families are going through through the Mm -hmm. legal system and the impact it has on kids. I think on parents' mental health, too, I think, like you said, you can have a really good parent doing really crazy things out there because of the issues associated with just splitting the family and the fact that these kids are really suffering and we have kids who are suicidal and the depression's going up and the statistics show all of that. This has been so valuable for our audience and I can guarantee you there will be a, a, another invitation to you to Absolutely. come on to our show. We have so much to learn from you, Earl, and we so appreciate everything that you have offered our audience today. Yes, thank, thank you for you. having me. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much, Earl. And audience, he will be back. Mental Perk will bring Earl back. Yes. (laughs) If you or anyone you know is struggling with any mental health issues, we want you to reach out to a friend, a trusted family member, somebody you trust. We want you to get connected with a professional. If you are having self-harm thoughts or suicidal thoughts, we want you to get immediate help. Dial 911, go to the nearest ER, or you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. We at Mental Perk want you to know you're You're worthy. worthy. We're We're in this together. together.